History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 year old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Aussie legend, singer, songwriter, musician, pastor, Peter Shirley. How are you doing, brother? Really well, thanks, Matt, and thank you for the very generous introduction. We can perhaps leave it there and leave everybody with a really good impression. <laughs> well, mate, it's uh, great to have you on the radio today. I first saw you in concert when I was a teenager in the 90s, and uh, you had your violin and you were performing alongside people like Steve Grace and Steve Aparana, and uh, I've followed you over the years. You're now pastoring in Tasmania. We're going to hear yes. a bit of your journey. Let, let's go back to the beginning. Where, where were you born and raised? Uh, born in Sydney and raised in Wollongong, so I lived there sort of preschool years up until I left to pursue my musical career up in the Sunshine State. So. Oh, there you go. Okay. And what was yeah. your upbringing like? Did you have a religious upbringing? Yeah, had a, a, raised in a Christian family. I always believed in God, but um, it was not something that was foundational for me until I was into my 20s. So I, I think, in all honesty, when you look at the things that uh, – motivate you and, and control you. Music was certainly my God for, for many, many years until my early 20s. Everything came together and started asking some bigger questions and, and reached out to what I already knew of God, but, but yeah, just made that personal decision in my uh, about 23. And was it like during an altar call or was it just, you know, at no, home? How did it happen? Interestingly, at that point, I was doing a lot of production. I think I'd just done production for an event in Albert Park, which was a Christian event, and uh, it actually really, really impacted me. So, you know, on the way home, just it was just a, a moment, and, uh, yeah, it was just a, a really significant sort of line in the sand, de- decisive moment of going, oh, that's, I, I want that, you know. And do you know who was so, performing uh, on the night? Do you remember who, who were the artists? Or? couldn't honestly tell you. I don't think it was any mainstream thing. It, mm-hmm. it was it was a, a rally of some sort. It was okay. wow. A guy speaking, and I can't even remember who that was. But, um, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, and it, look, and it wasn't even a particular thing about that night that impacted me, but rather everything about the experience that that just spoke to me, and uh, and I suppose just revealed within me my own my own lack, but also my own want. It was like I've, uh, and I think uh, being honest, I think I was very self-focused and very ambitious in what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go, and but at the same time feeling very empty in that. From that point, you fast forward three years and I was in full-time ministry, so wow. there was a, a, a really, really quick transition. So, so it was, uh, I would say it was a journey, not a moment, uh, but then obviously you, you, you've got to come to that place of full surrender, and as soon as I did, then it was just this renewed understanding of who I was, of, of this sense of call upon my life. I, I've had a couple of people very early on in that journey prophesy over me and it was just it was just uh, a really really significant shift. So I've got a few friends from Wollongong so tell us about after that making that commitment in the car that night uh, tell Mm -hmm. us a bit about you know did you go were you a part of a church or you know did someone take you under under their wing how did the the next steps uh, unfold? We were were living in Brisbane at the time 
and had a couple of good mates that were, uh, one of them was a guy from Garden City and I'd actually started doing a little bit of training with their production team, just essentially coming in and doing a little bit of sound training and things like that. So very, very quickly, we actually found ourselves attending Garden City Church. So that, that became our, our home church in Brisbane. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was yeah, quite a... Uh, Quite an amazing, an amazing journey. So oh, there you go. So you're you're at uh, Garden City, which is now Hillsong in Brisbane, and yes, uh, yes, yes. Many amazing uh, people that have uh, been a part of that church. I think Darlene Check was a part of that church at she one was stage. Many, many years ago. Yes. Oh, there you go. Small world. There you go. And uh, tell us a bit about your ministry. So you said that after that moment, you know, within three years, you're in full time ministry. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us about that transition to, to getting into uh, full-time ministry. Yeah, uh, interesting, Matt. I I, uh, I prayed a prayer that I, I think a lot of people pray. They chart their course and they think, this is what I want to do for God. And so they go, God, this is what I want to do for you. This is what I want to do for you. And for me, it was, God, I want to play music for you. I want to play music for you. I want to play music for you. And that was a consistent prayer for, for, for about three years. And I can remember exactly where and when it was. And I think, honestly, it was probably out of frustration that that prayer changed really, really significantly to me for all intents and purposes. I wasn't getting a breakthrough. There was nothing nothing changing. Uh, so the, the prayer changed from God, I want to play music for you, to God, I want to serve you, even if it means never playing music again. God said, now you're ready. Wow. <laughs> and so there was a real dying to self and dying to agenda. And I often say to people, you know, God's actually not obliged to bless our good ideas. And we often, we often go to God and say, this is what I want to do for you now, bless it. Where uh, I think the prayer needs to be, God, what are you blessing and how can I plug into that and be a part of that? What's yeah. my role in that, you know? Uh, and, and that really, it was at that moment that the doors really just began to open because it was an honest, it was an honest shift in my heart. It wasn't just a, well, I'm going to try a different strategy here. It was a, a real, it really was a dying to self. And um, yeah, it was just in, incredible how that change in heart actually then propelled me into what it was that I was asking of God anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I first saw you in the 90s, you were traveling around with Steve Grace. Did he play a big part mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, kind of taking you under his wing? Or? Um, well, I had known Steve from back in Wollongong days. So. Um, we actually were both playing at the same hotel. I think he had a Thursday night. No, I think he had a Monday night residency and I had a Saturday night residency or something. I was playing in a band and he was doing a solo thing. And um, so I used to go and sit in and sort of watch him play and we sort of struck up a, a friendship uh, on that basis uh, way back then. Steve actually um, ended up being the best man at our wedding. Wow. <laughs> So yeah, so Steve Steve remains a good mate and um, always has been, and and has been really really helpful in that journey. I actually started touring with Steve as his sound guy in the in the late eighties, and um, then as we um, as our own music ministry sort of kicked in, um, I, I was doing a dual role, doing sound and also doing the support spot. So uh, so travelling with. Steve and then a whole bunch of um, uh, whole bunch of word artists at the time um, really got us a, a great uh, inroad around the country, just making connections and contacts. And uh, so that was a um, uh, yeah. Again, Steve was was a, a huge part of that. So I know that um, you've uh, obviously done a lot of touring. Have you, you travel around the world with your music as well? My music has certainly gone around the world, but my travel. 
has been just primarily through Southeast Asia, and um, I, I do I, I do well certainly pre-COVID. Um, I've done a lot with Tier Fund in New Zealand, so I, I tour in New Zealand once a year uh, on behalf of Tier Fund, who is uh, Compassion's uh, uh, partner over in, in New Zealand. So. And I did see a photo on your Facebook at one stage. Uh, did you visit Jerusalem? Were you over in, in Israel? My last trip before everything got locked down um, was a, uh, my second trip to Israel. So I uh, had a team of 25 from my church. So I, I led that trip over there. And uh, we were on the last flight um, out of Tel Aviv uh, through Bangkok before they, they shut that route down. So it was really starting to get uh, very heated up. And we got home. I think we were home two weeks and everything was lockdown so so that was my my last international travel wonderful now another thing we have in common is that we've had to suffer for jesus a number of times at conferences in hawaii uh, there's a yes. there's a church over there called new hope which is kind of uh, the parent church from the the church i pastor in brisbane and you've been over there for pastors conferences and uh, seminars um, tell us how uh, new hopes uh, encouraged you over the years well it was interesting i think that it was gls 2004, uh, something around then, maybe it was a little bit later, but um, Wayne spoke a message on Leading on Empty, which then the book came out not too long after that, got the uh, the DVDs at the time, and I sat there, and I reckon I watched that, it just kept rewinding it and rewatched it about three times, and I thought, that has just so resonated, where we were at very, very early on, having planted our church, and feeling stretched and, and, and probably a little bit running on empty ourselves. And uh, I think I Googled him and I, I came across his leadership practicum. So my eldership very quickly released me to go across there to to um, spend a week with Wayne with um, that shadowing experience where there's, I think they cap it out of about 60 pastors. So it's it's, it's very close access that you get to, to Wayne and, and his caliber of leadership. And that is has been the most... Um, effective and, 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 and profitable and beneficial professional development I have ever done. It was just remarkable. So much so that I've actually been there three times in total. It's just been, uh, just been the most amazing experience. He, he is a phenomenal leader and it is just a, a church that just has such uh, an incredible heart and, and the things they're doing within their own community. And uh, Yeah, so no, absolutely just totally resonate with, with their culture. So. And tell us a bit about your church. How long have you been there now? Uh, well, we planted in 2004 and uh, went out two campuses, about 500 people. And, uh, yeah, love, loving the journey, mate. Um, uh, there's something really special. I mean, we're, we're blessed where we live. We live in just the most spectacular place. You know, to have a, a, a significant-sized church in a small rural, rural community, it's got some unique dy- dynamics about it. But I, I love the fact that we're in this small rural community uh, and yet uh, have, you know, have a church that we've got significant staff and, and uh, a great pool of volunteers and just the influence uh, and the profile that we have in the community is, is it's a great opportunity. So uh, I, I love that dynamic feeling that we're in, in a sense small and isolated and yet still at the same time have the, that, that larger church dynamics. So. Mm. Now, mate, there might be people listening. They're thinking, "Yeah, I really relate to this bloke." You know, I, uh, you, you shared that in your in your twenties, you kind of had a decision to make about whether you follow God or not, and you, you decided it was the most important thing to do, and and it obviously changed the trajectory of your life from that moment. There might be people listening that have never made that commitment 
uh, to come to Christ. Would you share yeah. with our listeners what is the gospel and how do they respond? Actually, on a personal journey, Matt, and, and part of that has been that experience of being in Israel, but, but more than that, I think uh, a countercultural journey of discovering what shalom is and how that can be lived out on a day-to-day basis. And, and essentially, one of the great uh, meanings of the word shalom is living at peace with God and with others. And again, it is a very, very countercultural journey in many ways because a part of it is is it actually about finding a, a pace of life that is enjoyable and sustainable. And I think we live in a, an environment currently where busy is a new greeting. You know, how are you going? Yeah, busy. And, and we're slaves to busyness. Uh, everything about that, it's like we've bought into this lifestyle that none of us are, are actually enjoying. And everybody is just bemoaning the fact that they're so overcommitted. So this concept of uh, digging into this concept of living at peace with God uh, I think when you begin a journey of faith, one of the things you've got to appreciate is that I'm not here by accident, but I'm actually created in a plan that is so much bigger than me and so much greater than me. And in that, there are, if you appreciate that God is the God of creation and that we as human beings are created by God in his image for a divine purpose then we need to look to God to actually find those rhythms in life. And so it's for me, it's not vain belief, and I haven't actually even got onto the gospel, but rather try to paint a bigger picture, a bigger landscape that we're actually plugged in to a, a rhythm of life. And, and uh, you know, if we can plug into that, if we can plug into God's rhythms, if we can plug into God's purpose, it actually just begins to make sense of life. Now, how we come to live at peace with God, that all comes through Jesus. You know, we were created in the image of God, but because of the sinfulness of mankind, we don't live according to that image. And when it talks about the image of God, we were created to reflect that moral character of God, that that the moral character of God would be evident in human beings. But because of sin that image has been marred. So we don't actually reflect what God is like anymore. So God sends his son Jesus to, number one, reconcile us to a relationship with a perfect God, that because of what Jesus did on the cross, imperfect human beings can be at peace with God. We can be in harmony with God. Uh, So he makes that possible at the cross. And then this wonderful thing takes place because... Again, this is not vain religious belief. This is about a spirit that actually inhabits us as human beings, that God, by his Holy Spirit, takes up residence within us. And it's a living, dynamic relationship. And then the Holy Spirit's role, Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit's role is then to begin to restore that image of God in us, Mm -hmm. the, the moral character of God in us. For me, it is the most challenging way to live. It is, it is my anchor point in, a, in a, an increasing age of uncertainty. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. My certainty is in the fact that I'm anchored to my creator and I'm pursuing his divine purpose. Uh, and so it gives me confidence. It gives me a strength. It gives me an assurance. It, it gives my life meaning and value and worth. And even though... I don't know on the current world stage, uh, you know, I don't know what the future necessarily looks like, but I I, I don't have to either. I, mm. I trust that to God. 
And in the meantime, just get on with living at peace with God and living uh, in harmony with God and in harmony with others and doing the best that I can with the with the gifts and the talents and the resources that God has given me to actually uh, be a blessing to others, to mm. to uh, to encourage others and to lift them. Yeah, that's good news. Well, Peter, I can hear it in your voice that uh, you've found that place of shalom, of uh, peace with God and peace with people, and uh, you can... <laughs> You can you can hear it in your music as well, and uh, it's uh, a privilege to be able to catch up with you today, Peter. If people want to find out more, and maybe if people want to get in contact with Peter and talk more about this, uh, the website is petershirley.com.au, and that's spelt Peter, S-H-U-R-L-E-Y, petershirley.com.au. They can search you up on Facebook as well and YouTube and Instagram. You're on all the socials. And uh, they can oh, find. I am, mate. I'm... They can find your music as well, and uh, <laughs> it can, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, always uh, great to hear what God's doing in your life, Peter. Uh, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, mate. Good on you. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. There you'll also find links to all of our social media channels, and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry, and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater, and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. History.